Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. A two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a certain buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15 hole here, drivers recommended. Oh, is he a caveman? Because he's suddenly clubbed up on. What do you reckon, George? Well, there you are. G'day. I mean, this is golf. Andrew Dado is my name, and I'm talking to Scott Hen today. Scott Hen, the professional golfer. Uh, he had his first European win just this year. It was on the seniors tour. He'll talk about how that felt. He just finished playing, actually. He just uh, playing in Jakarta and had his second round. Unfortunately, he missed the cut by one. We didn't talk about that. Um, and it was just such a good, fun chat from footy and Laverton to the flight of the old persimmon drivers, the F-111 flight with a ball, the ballada ball just took off whoosh, like a rocket. Um, talked about that, talking about Europe, um, winds around the world, Nando's, the perils of Nando's in India, playing the Indian Open, disqualifying himself. We really covered an awful lot of ground. He even talks about the young guys, you know, these young guys. So really good fun. Uh, very insightful and, and a lot to say. So I think you're going to really enjoy Scott Hand. Uh, I know I did. So we started where I always like to start, and that is how did you come to the game of golf? Well, I was just watching my dad and his mates playing a bit of golf. My dad used to play a lot of cricket, and he didn't think golf was for just old attitudes. He thought golf was for, for a lot of posh people and whatever, and then he had a go at it, and he enjoyed it. So then... Mum used to shoo me out of the house, house, and I'd go on a Saturday and drag his bag around Murray Golf Course in um, in Newcastle Raymond Terrace there, and I'd get a, a coke and a meat pie while he'd go in and play the poker machines and drink beers afterwards. And I mean, I wasn't playing at the time, but and then we'd go down and get golf balls out of the creek and we'd sell them back to the guys going down the golf course right on the edge of the course there. That's sort of how I got into it, and it was just by dragging my dad's bag around and and golf balling it in the in the late afternoon hours after school. Right. I just, I mean, I, know, I do know the answer yeah. to this, but as, as you got better at golf and as you got into it, did you did you always love finding golf balls? Oh, for some reason I'm pretty good at it. I think it's because I've got a lot of practice. <laughs> okay. But like, you know, like, so I have a disordinate amount of pleasure actually finding balls. You know, like if, I, if the round's going bad, I, I just love getting into the bush and going, oh, it's a, a pinnacle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, the only problem when you find them in the bush is sometimes you find a copperhead in, in there as well or a red belly black. So we were more okay. in the water, getting them out of the creeks and the dams and and we'd take our shoes off, jump in with our shorts on and, and, and fill them with our feet and, and duck dive down. You know, we'd be in the water up around our neck or so or sometimes it'd be a bit deeper and we'd dive down and get the balls. It sounds like fun. This is like good old-fashioned fun. Um, it's probably why my immunity was my system was pretty good because God knows what was in the water. So this is Raymond Terrace. So this is up the just past the Central Coast, yeah. Yeah, Miri Golf Course. I was I was in primary school. I went to primary school there for five years because my dad was in the in the Air Force at Williamstown Air Base. Okay. All right. And so, what about the playing, Scott? When did the, when did that happen? And how did it happen? Oh, well, I sort of started playing. Just got my dad's secondhand set and started playing when I was around fourteen years old, thirteen years old, and cricket and football came first, and then. As I proceeded to get a little bit older, the cricket and football was thrown out the window when I turned 18 and it was just, just solely golf. And when you say football, that's rugby league, I'm guessing. I played, I played, I played soccer, played okay. rugby, rugby league when I was in the Northern States, and then I played AFL at Laverton when I was living down in Melbourne. Oh, no. Nice. It would have, been pretty, would have been pretty hard going at Laverton, I'd guess. It's bloody cold. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been pretty cold and pretty rough, wouldn't it? Yeah, well... <laughs> I went to school in – I lived in Laverton and then I went to school in Werribee for the last year of high school. So, yeah, it's quite a rough area. Yeah, I know Werribee. <laughs> <laughs> Werribee used to have – had an open sewer at Werribee. So when you drive down to Geelong, there was actually an open line of sewerage that – so when the wind blew the wrong way, you'd have a full – so that would have been then as well. I think uh, 1990 was, was when we were back in Melbourne. Before there, I was in primary school in Melbourne for grade five and six. And then my dad lived there before when he's, he was in the Air Force before I was born and, and, and his parents were down there as well. So it's just been a, a continual maze of moving all over Australia for our family due to uh, the RAAF. Okay. Um, so if you if you started playing at 14 and you started taking it seriously at 18, what, what happened? Was, did you just fall out with cricket and footy or did, did something happen with golf that sort of went holy cap? Crap, I'm I'm actually pretty good at this. Well, I was fortunate enough to be talented in in a lot of sports for hand eye coordination sort of stuff and and then I got to go to the Australian schoolboys that represent the Northern Territory. Played against Greg Chalmers actually, which is quite funny. Yeah. He always he always puts it on me that he that he beat me. I just keep telling us because it's at his, at his home golf course, of course. But um no, I just got a little bit um frustrated with team sports because you play cricket, you go out, you take seven for 35 when you're bowling, you go in and bat and you make 40 runs and the team loses. It's just, right. and I, sort of, I sort of went, well, you know what? You really can't blame that on yourself because it's a team thing. So mm. when you go play individual like golf, you have a bad day, it's because of yourself. Okay. And that's sort of more what I was, what I liked. I mean, I like the team aspect of things, but I also like being able to have total responsibility for your performance. So were you a, um, a big time practicer uh, as well or? Yeah, I did heaps, mate. I did heaps. I, I went. I used to go to school in the morning, and then I'd take off for the last two, the last two lessons, and and go down to the golf course at Laverton there, catch a train and hit balls. And I got called into the principal's office, and they kept saying, "Where were you yesterday?" I said I was hitting golf balls down on the range. They're like, "Oh, okay, there's no issue." Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to go hit, and then when I started working, I'd, I'd get up. I was working at in when we moved back to Queensland, then I was. 18, um, I'd get up at 
4.30 in the morning, go down to Nudgy, hit balls in the morning, play nine holes, have a shower, go to work at 8.30. Uh, for the hour lunch break, there's a little park beside the, the place where I worked. I'd hit wedges in the park, eat my sandwich, pick them up, go back to work, and then after work, I go back to the golf course, hit balls and play nine holes again. So you loved it. Did you love it? Was it, was it a love for the game or did you just find because you were good at it, it was something that you could like channel I said, yourself into? I was very lucky to be good at it. I won a few club championships and stuff. And ever since I met, I played it. We, we were living in Melbourne. My dad took me back to Wagga Wagga to play the Pro-Am at the Raff Base. And I met a guy called Neil Carey. Obviously, I guess if you sort of knock around golf circles, you know who Neil Carey was back in the day. Pretty good Pro-Am player. Bit of a, a knock-around type of guy. Had a good time. And I saw these guys, these pros playing in the Pro-Am. And I went, I want to be, I'd love to be a golf professional. Yeah, what, what did you like about what you saw? Doing something that they love. It looked like mm. they enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, they took the enjoyment part a little too far sometimes, but um, it just looked like something that, you know, if you can, if you're fortunate enough to do something as a job that you love rather than just doing a job that you have to, you've got to embrace it. And I've, I've tried to embrace it as long as I can. And I still, I still hope that I can get another 10 years out of it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, you just won in Germany. So it's your first seniors win. Then, yep. um, and I th- I'm thinking it's your first European, your first win on European soil as well. I know you've had three European wins, but they are in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, does it does it give you a whole new sense of like a new start? Um, it does, but it doesn't. I mean, it's great mm. to finally win in Europe because I've lost playoffs and I've at times where I should have won, and I didn't, but. It's the same sort of thing what David McKenzie came said came said to me came around for dinner in Pontevedra and he goes he goes Handy you got to he's got to think about one thing before you go to the seniors I said what's that mate he goes go to the range the volunteers they all seem quite old if you look around the crowd all the crowd looks like they're quite old he goes and then he looked down the range and he goes shit we're all old and I'm, and I'm like. Well, yeah, I didn't look at it that way. At least when I look yeah. down the range now, I've got like 18, 19-year-olds I'm playing against. I still feel young, but he's sort, of, sort of got a point. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Does it, it, it's still golf. It's still tournament golf. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the playing surface now more even on the seniors level, given you are 50? I mean, you're 50. Like, yeah. like I know you're a bomber, right? So everyone talks about, oh, my God. Like, you, you know, you were the first foreigner – to be in, on the American list of longest driver on tour. Like, that's phenomenal. So, But does it feel like a more even playing field in the seniors as opposed to, say, where you're playing this week? Not, not at the moment. and I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I sort of had this vision that when I turned 50, all of a sudden I was going to lose 60 yards off my driver and I wasn't going to be able to putt and I'd be fat in every chip. But you know, that hasn't happened. And I still feel like that I can come out and play any tournament, even against 20-year-old guys, and be competitive and win if I've got the mental place to play golf in the right position, like if I'm thinking properly and, and I'm feeling good. Um, I still try and go to the gym. I still try and keep keep strong. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not short by any means compared to the other guys out there. If anything, now I'm still above average, even against longer guys. So... Length isn't the issue. It's just mm. making sure that I'm fit enough and, and my mind is 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 fresh enough to compete. Okay. How important is length? And I'm thinking about this for amateur golfers, right? Because it, it seems mm. like for us, we're like, oh, mate, I crushed that one. 
how how important in your mind? How important is it in the game? It's, well, I've, I've never really dwelled on the subject of being short, so I think <laughs> I think it's it's more like I, I was talking to, to David Vicky Drysdale. We're playing this week, and David doesn't hit it very well. She's caddy for her husband, David Drysdale, and she goes, "Oh, we can't compete on this course; it's way too long." And I looked at her and I went. Well, you guys have just had two under today to be two under. I said, I've had one under to be even par. I'm going to miss the cut, and I'm complaining that I've got too many wedges into the holes because I can't get it close enough, and he's complaining because he hasn't got enough wedges. I mean, this is just the way golf is. If if I find if a golf course, if I can drive it to 150 metres or 140 from the green, I feel like I perform better than when I drive it 80 metres from the green. So do you think about that in terms of do you try and make that sort of 150, 140 your number? Well, the problem is, is when the pin's cut four over the bunker, you don't really want to be coming from 150. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a two-way sort of double-edged sword, if, if you know what I mean. So, uh, it's just, But as I sort of mentioned, if you're fighting a really cold putter, it doesn't matter what club you got in because, I, I, like today, I, kept, I hit it to eight feet, ten feet, and then you'd look up and you'd go, how's that missing? Okay. How do you deal with that? I'm wondering. Just keep cracking on. Try yeah. and stay positive. Try not to throw the putter into the water. Try not to fire it into the bag too too quickly so it doesn't don't don't bend it or anything. And try and be patient. I mean, because I've always said, you know, there's peaks in the trough. Sometimes the troughs are so deep you can't see the top of the peak. But you just gotta keep at it. And that's okay. that's that's a frustrating part about it. And and sooner or later, sooner or later. I mean, I've had a win this year. I can't really complain. Yeah, yeah. But sooner or later, it changes. But one day you go out there, you might not hit it as good as you are now, and then you, you'll hold 10 putts and go, oh, I just shot eight under. Just, right. just hang in there. Okay. You've had 19 wins around the world. Um, um, a couple 16? of years in America. 16. Uh, in my Google stalking, Scott, Yeah. Um, it gives me 19. So. wonder if I took a couple of the Royal Pines. The Royal Pines. Yeah. Tournaments in, <laughs> I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, this, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Um, ten in Asia. Yep. There's the European Senior. There's three in Europe, and there's uh, one in Canada. There's wins in Australia. Yeah, I think so, that. Dub- I think the Asian Tour and the European one sort of double up, so I'd be sixteen because they're co-sanctioned. So that's fine. I'll take sixteen okay. anyway. And you've played in three of the four majors multiple yeah. times. Unfortunately, so, never played in the Masters, unfortunately. I was so close the other year and I went on to totally mess that up at the Hong Kong Open and not finish high enough to sneak in the top 50 and so disappointing that I played the Masters. But what about playing the Open then? So, like, I don't know, I've talked to lots of old, like older, older golfers who got mm-hmm. their chance to play one, you know, one Open and they talk about the walking into the locker room and there's whoever it is. Like, what... For you, what what were those experiences like? It was good. A couple of the Opens that I played, one of the Opens especially at St Andrews was extremely disappointing in the conditions they made us go out and play a few holes in. Uh, 2015, it was blowing an absolute hurricane. I was play, I actually played Ryan Fox that year and he, he made the cut, but we were out there saying, what are we doing out here? It was blowing 70 kilometres an hour out on the point and they made us go and play and then Tom Watson was retiring and they made us play in the dark because Tom Watson was coming down the 18th hole. And it's, it's just, you just sit there and go, are we playing a major tournament or are we playing 
the the John Deere Classic. I mean, what are we what are we doing here? Right. It's so. Did you do you? It's it, is it only about the tournament, not about the the stage that you're playing on? If, if you know what I mean. Like, do you lose sight of that? I mean, as because there's fans like you know mm. I don't know I'll watch the open and sit there going nah it's bloody it's the best one it's the open you know like mm. look at him go I don't sort of I don't actually consider what how what your approach might be well as a player it's fantastic to play in a major but also you know if you're in a major it's going to cost you 10 grand for the week because you got to get accommodation and then there's a caddy and then it's just an expensive week when you play a major because it's so hard to get accommodation close to the golf course and all that sort of stuff and it's just it's a really, really expensive week. Okay, so that's not so they're not your favourite things to play. Oh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's my least favourite thing. It's mm. um, they're, they're enjoyable. I mean, the course setup is generally pretty good. Uh, when you play when you play the Open Championships, um, if you're lucky enough to play it when it's burnt out and really dry, it's awesome. And the crowd, I mean, playing a US Open in New York is different. It's crazy, but yeah. playing playing an open championship in Scotland or in the in the the west of the UK over the Birkdale and that sort of stuff over there, man, it's the crowds are unbelievable. A US Open crowd versus a an open crowd. Uh, what would you? The open crowd is way more polite and golf knowledgeable. The ones at the US up and if you play in the US Open and up in the far northeast of the country, it's just crazy. Beers are being drunk, stupid things are being shouted out. You walk onto a tee that's a possibly a drivable par four and on purpose you take an iron out just to jeer them all up and they all start <laughs> booing and, and going off at you and then you pull the driver out and they're like cheering. It's like a football match. Right. And do you like that? Oh, you just got to go with it. I mean, if you, if you don't like it, you try and fight against it. You're just fighting a losing battle and just it just makes your concentration get even worse. Okay. Well, you're, tw- you're 25 years in the game. The, I'm, I'm assuming the game's – well, the game's definitely changed. Yep. Um, have you enjoyed the change? Yeah. I mean – Yeah, yeah. I was quite slow to get into the wooden drivers no, – sorry, into the metal drivers. Um, <laughs> this is amazing talking about that, isn't it? I mean, 95, 96, 97, 98, I was still using a, a persimmon-headed driver and then I finally yielded and went to the Callaway drivers – the big burfers and that sort of stuff. And it's, yeah. ever since then, things have got, you know, club head. Sometimes they made the driver smaller, then they've made it bigger, and then now they're going back to a slightly smaller one. But it's it's a lot to do with the golf ball because golf ball, you used to have to be, used to hit a little down on it or, or flat and the ball would spin and fly up. Now you have to hit up on it. So the golf ball, I couldn't use a modern-day golf ball with a persimmon golf club, even though I like the feel of persimmon. You couldn't use that that club with today's golf ball because the ball just doesn't spin as much off the driver. That's why guys now, especially as young guys, just stand on the tee and just pump it because the side spin is not as crucial anymore as what it used to be. That you don't get punished as much for an off for an off center hit. Okay, so w- when you're talking about when you're hitting with the persimmon ball, a uh, persimmon club, and you'd hit down on the ball. Mm-hmm. So those are the days where you'd see, like, I don't know, I'm guessing yourself and you know, and Norman, and they'd hit these shots like, and they'd scoot like that, like flat along the ground like that, and then they'd like a plane, like an airplane, like an F1. You just go like the F111 flight and just like, yeah. and then fly up. That was because the ball was spinning so much. You don't see those shots now. No, 
did you like it more then? Did you, I mean, I know you were younger as well, so. It was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I mean, I would go from Queensland, we'd come down to Melbourne and we'd go play a golf course like Yarra, go play Yarra Yarra, and you'd stand there and you'd, I'd been watching the shark on TV and then I'd stand on one of the par threes and you'd rip an eight on you and see it land on the green and, and just go, vroom, vroom, just yeah. using a tradition golf ball, watch it spin like 50 feet, 40 feet, and then you go, oh, how good's that? Problem is when you try and hit it close, you couldn't because it was spinning too much. Right. So do you do you look do you do you think if the the kids now had to play with the old stuff? I know that's never going to happen, but if they had to play the golf that you learnt to play, would they be as good? I think every generation changes. I think every generation adapts to what they start with. Um, the difference being that the guys from my era we seem to hit the golf ball a lot more in the center of the club because if you didn't, like if you, if you swung it at a 120 clubhead speed and you missed the middle of the golf club, it was going off the planet. So, right. so the difference is like the guys now that come out and play, these young guys are in the gym. They've got the track man. They've got the coach. All they learn to do is hit up on the golf ball. They don't worry about the wind. Like we stand okay. there on the tee now, we feel the wind and you sort of just, in the back of your mind, you think, oh, I've got to flight this one down, I've got to flight it down. And then you get the young guy will get up on the tee and he'll just hit it straight up in the air to the green to 10 feet. And you think, like, well, maybe I should be doing that as well. Just a different way of learning things. Every, like I said, every generation of golfer does things differently. And generally, they do things better. They do things better than the generation before them. I mean, obviously, Tiger Woods came through, he was just an absolute freak, and no one's going to go anywhere near that record. But he adapted to what, what was going on. And now you see the guys coming through, the younger guys, they're coming out, they were competing with him. So do, so do you think it's it's more exciting now or more exciting mm. back? Yeah, yes and no, because you don't see the the, 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 the no bit is you don't see the shots coming out of the trees that curve 50-meter hook shots and stuff. Now the ball hooks and then it straightens out. You don't see those sort of shots anymore. It's, it, it's not... I mean, I, I don't I don't know if the ball does hook and straighten out. It doesn't yeah. seem to doesn't seem to do that for us, mate. Well, well, when we when we try when we're trying to play a hook, we'll hit a hook and then you'll sit there and you go, yeah, it's hooking, it's hooking, and then you go, why is it stopped hooking? Yeah, right. It's just funny. I mean, Bubba Watson was an exception. You know, he came out. Look at the way he tried to play golf. He just moved it around everywhere, and that's people thought, oh, how good's this? How good's this? That's because they hadn't seen it for so long. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Have you had a um? Like a moment, like what were the? I know you played the Olympics in Rio. That must have been uh, pretty spectacular. That was cool. Finchy with the captaincy, it was nice. Yeah. It was um, obviously my performance was, to be quite honest, piss poor. But mm. at least Frey's played great golf and, and had the course record for a while there. And you know we had a, we had a really good time with the team for representing Australia. And it was it was quite an honour to be, you know, a couple of the first guys back in in the Olympics in golf to represent Australia. Yeah. What, what did you – you had 39th, tied 39th. Yeah. I don't think that's that, – it's not that bad. No, it's not that good either, really. Right I, I had way, <laughs> I had way higher expectations and I just didn't – I just didn't perform at all. Okay. What about as a tournament, how, how was it? Like was it was it different or was it uh, – did... I didn't agree with the format. I think, I think if we're going to have the Olympics like that and – and bring golf to the public and make it more exciting to the public. It should have been four rounds, two players from each country. We have four different formats. We should have played like a, a Canadian four ball, a foursomes, 
a single stroke, the best score from the single stroke counts, and then a, a full-on scramble in the last day. So you could be 11 shots behind and shoot 48 and come to win, and then it's a dual medal. That was my That's my thoughts on it. I think it should be like that because it, it showcases golf more instead of just a single stroke where every week we pretty much see a single stroke on yeah. all fours. Yeah. So the, there was a sense of the sameness about it where they could have yeah. actually really done something quite spectacular. I think I think a, a team thing would have been good, like I said, with different formats, four different formats, but the last day has to be a has to be a scramble. Mm-hmm. It would have been it would have been awesome, in my opinion. Okay. What about the the representation of Australia? Like, you know, that there you are in the green and gold and the Olympic Village. I mean, there's yep. apparently really nothing like it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Fraser and I Fraser and I went for a walk after we had dinner. I mean, we were eating steak and have a couple of glasses of red, and then we walked down to the gym. We walked into the gym and went, well, yep, we don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy, man. They just, oh, it was, it was, I mean, obviously you got to think, you're at the Olympics and the, and the, and the athletes are, are in the peak condition of their life. Yeah. And here's, here's Fraser and I walk along, probably not quite anywhere near our peak. Stinking a red wine. Oh, was, yeah. hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. Oh, that looks pretty heavy. <laughs> right. Okay. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I mean you've had so much success and you've seen so much played all the tours Have has, has there been a, a moment where you've just really pinched yourself and thought far out I've really I, I am lucky I have lived to to do my very best and play my best life or live my yeah. best life as the saying goes I'm always I'm, I'm always lucky I always think myself as being lucky to be playing golf and have won tournaments. I don't sit back and 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 stand in front of the mirror and go, "Oh, geez, I'm good. Geez, I'm good." No, I don't do that. I try and win tournaments. I, I'm the same as every other golfer. I've just been fortunate enough to win tournaments and play a little bit better on the week and win a tournament. All us guys out here trying to win tournaments. Some guys are more selfish than others, but we are all trying to achieve the same goal. And I've been fortunate enough to keep doing it and win. That's just how I see it. And mm. like I said, I just I just think I'm lucky every time. Every time I'm at a golf tournament, I'm just I'm just happy to have a tea time on a Thursday in a golf tournament, which which means I'm exempt. Okay, you said earlier that you know you have the young guys now, uh, and they've got the trainer and the dietitian and the coach and the, mm. all the gear. Uh, what do you travel with? Oh, track man, my track man. <laughs> My track man's been stuck in the in. I, I think I've forgotten how to, under the zip. It's been there that long; hasn't come out. Um, right. Track the track man's very handy. It's just um, man. I, I travel with a couple of therabands. 
of you <laughs> I know. know what they are. Sorry? Are they stretching? I said I don't even know what TheraBand sounds like a drug. Um, no, well, the stretching bands. It'd probably help me more than the TheraBand if it was a drug. No, it's what you sort of tie around your foot and do like a like a you like sort of pulls with them. They're just rubber bands that sort of keep them keep the muscles activated and stuff like that. So okay. just trying to keep in a little bit of shape and and um I used to actually I used to carry a corkscrew in my bag, but I got rid of that. Okay. <laughs> I remember talking to um Greg Norman once and asking him about, you know, like the the golfers travelling with lots of people and he said he never depended and it and it sounds like you're similar that he never depended on anyone. It was it was he had to rely on himself. Do, do you yeah. see yourself the same way? Yeah, I mean obviously there's a couple of guys out here that you sort of go to dinner with and hang out with, but when they announce a tournament hotel, I usually stay at a different hotel. I, I try and do my own thing. Um I've got a couple of mates around in Asia. They might come watch a golf tournament. I, I don't particularly have to be joined at the hip with someone every single week and travel around. I, I sort of do my own thing, and and it's quite it's quite interesting that some people travel in the way you say they have their, their team with them. If I was to have my time again playing in America, uh, I would have I would would have loved to be able to afford to take one or two mates over with me and just hang out. Because it is quite lonely, especially if you're not mm. from America, to go over there and try and play that tour. I found it to be uh, quite lonely and quite quite frustrating, and I'd, I'd do it a different way if I had the opportunity to do it again. Okay. When you say it's it's lonely, I, 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 I've heard that the American tour, it's like a circus that rolls from town to town to town. Yep. You pre-qualified the 2004 and 2005. You did Q School. and So what what was the level of excitement like when you – that 2004 when you – Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, obviously, obviously, that's where you want to be. That's where we wanted yeah. to be. I mean, to this very day, it's still, I, like I said, I've said a million times, I'd play Live tomorrow, I'd play PJ Tour tomorrow, and I'd go back to the DP, DP World Tour tomorrow. It, it, I have no, no favoritism to any of them. I mean, we, we, at the time I got on the PJ Tour, it was the, the, the echelon of golf. And that's where you, everyone was trying to get to. Now mm. things are changing in golf a little bit. It's interesting, so, isn't it? When you look at it like this, a guy like me has been around for a lot, a lot of years. There's a lot of other guys that have been around for a lot, a lot of years. We've we've played pretty much most of our lives to try and make a decent living and, and make a career out of it. Given I haven't got a pension from the from the European tour, uh, guys that made certain amount of cuts on the PGA tour have a pension. Um but you look now, like I said, we played for so many years to earn a certain amount of money. Taylor Gooch last year played on live, made thirty-eight million US dollars. He could play for one more year and just retire. Mm. But is he happy? Off. Oh. <laughs> Mate, I like those little memes where you say people say money can't make you happy. Here's me in my Ferrari. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it is pretty. Ex- I mean, it is extraordinary live. Obviously, oh, that's right. It's amazing. There was a thing at. There was a thing, and they had his statistics and Victor Hovland. Victor, yeah, and and that so they had a similar amount of money. I think Victor had a better putting rate, but um, mm. but Gooch definitely had more. Did he have more cash? I think so. I think he had a little bit more, yeah. Just and shorter bit. tournaments. So, hey, um, you've got a website. You've got you know, there's 
you keep people up to date with what you're doing and there's Instagram and I had a look at that and there's great <laughs> photos of your kids, like, you know, your kids in the, in the bunker there on at St Andrews. So obviously, you know, your, fa- your family are with you. I left that, that, that website's like been a left up to my wife and kids to take care of because I told them, I said, Twitter is enough for me because Twitter is an absolute nightmare. It's, it's just like it's like playing a game of bloody badminton. You're just smashing mm. it over the net all the time against someone and then, he, and then you get three of them coming back at you. And then Instagram, I just use Instagram for just an outlet of just <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, it is, but that's what's quite good about it. I mean, you are well known; it's been quite funny. So, um, it's you know, some of it is pretty funny. Just with the with the Twitter, like I know you um, you disqualified yourself in Delhi earlier this year. Yep. um, And you came out and said, "Okay, here's what here's what I did. I this is what I disqualified myself." And blah blah blah. And and people have come out and had a go at you about that. Are you surprised at the way people will? Not at all, mate. There's way too many dickheads and not enough nice people. That's how you got to look at it, especially right. on Twitter. And and they had no idea what was going on in, in Delhi at the time. At the time in Delhi, Benny <laughs> Benny Campbell and I went to dinner with Marcus Fraser and one of the other Kiwi boys, and Benny Campbell and I got so sick, so sick. I had a morning tea time on Thursday. I finished my round. I went straight back to the room. I hopped in bed. I didn't eat anything. I was... I was spewing and crapping myself, and then I had to go and play my round the next day, and I'm on the golf course, and my head was just like spinning, and then I just make this absolute peanut mistake, and I went, put my hand up, no, I did that. i got to disqualify myself. I can't do that. And and I only realized it as I was walking onto the last green. I went, uh, yeah, two shots ago, I did something that I shouldn't have. Right. And it's, I mean, they have no idea what it's like sometimes when you're out there, and there's the group's backed up behind, and I just went, you know what? Just, just DQ me. It really doesn't right. matter. I'm going to miss so, it that anyway. Yeah, I, I get that. But with the dickhead mistake, probably you must have eaten something. You, did no, you, you didn't eat that, a no, salad, no. did you, or I'm a gonna, street food? I'm going to or... blame this on Marcus Fraser. He goes, oh, mate, I've eaten, we've eaten at Nando's, Nando's two nights oh in a row. It's fantastic. There's nothing going on there. So Benny and I looked at each other and went, right, I will come over. So then Benny and I both had the chicken breast and we put this chili sauce on it and we narrowed it down. The other boys didn't have the chili sauce and the sauce was sitting out in the open and we think it was the sauce had some sort of bacteria in it. And Benny was down for like a month and a half. I was wow. lucky. It took me about about four weeks to get over it, but he was he was proper crook. Was there salad in the in the um in the Nando's? Mate, who eats salad? <laughs> because tomatoes, lettuce. That's the gear that'll no mate French fries, French fries. Okay, we um we were, I was just in India for, for by choice for holiday, right? So and and I went past the Agra golf course, mm-hmm. and it's and it's not it is very a very very elitist game, obviously. Like there aren't what's the Indian? I've, in fact, I've never spoken to anyone who's played golf in India. What was it like? That's oh, awesome. I really do enjoy it because. The reason why I love going to India is there's always a challenge to leave India with all your shirts with not <laughs> not pulled out by all the thorn bushes. Yeah. Secondly, you try not to get crap yourself and vomit. And thirdly, <laughs> the golf courses aren't that bad. They're not okay. that bad at all, really. They're actually, they're actually really good golf courses. But the challenge is to go there and not get sick 
and not destroy your clothes because the thorn bushes are everywhere on the golf course. Okay, just with the with the being playing and being sick. So is there? This is disgusting, but anyway, we're here now. In, in like you, when you have deli belly, you could mm. easily do carcass yourself at any time. Well, but literally, time. so do you? So when you're playing and putting effort into golf swings and drivers and <sighs> what do you? Is that is that in your mind that you might? Well, usually, usually, usually you're pretty empty by then anyway. You're running on empty, but the. Uh, uh, I'll give you a little quick a quick example of what happened to me once. I was playing Delhi golf course and I got my roommate at the time got food poisoning and he was actually sitting on the toilet while vomiting into the bath and then he got over it and then I came down sick on the Saturday night. I went Sunday, couldn't go to the range. I had a spew on the putting green. I teed off. I had a spew on the side the first tee. I hit onto the green, around the trees, I had a spew. I had seven spews on the front nine. And then I had a can of Coke on the 10th tee and I shot 68. <laughs> so it's amazing what the mind can do when it's just focused on not dying. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, I do understand that Coke is actually quite good. Oh, 100%. It's the best. When, it, yeah. when, when you're really crook in India, mm. get the – and I, what I usually do is I, I, I drink one straight away and then I put another one in, a, in an empty water bottle and let it go flat and warm up and then I just sip it the rest of the way around. Wow, these are just just making notes. These are really <laughs> words to live by. <laughs> well, I think the Australian the Australian cricketers would know what's going on with that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they've had a, a heap of it. It's funny as you're saying as you're saying. You know, I had a spew on the practice screen, spew on the first. I think of Dean Jones when he made that um, whatever he made two hundred and thirty or three hundred and twenty or something. Yep. And Alan Border saying, "Mate, I'll just get off and I'll get someone else. I'll get a Queenslander out here, mate." <laughs> so. Um, to finish, like, have you have you had a has there been one one thing that is that stands above all others, or is that just a bit ridiculous when you talk about a quarter of a century in the game? Um, one thing that'll always stand out in my mind is winning the Queensland Open. Hmm. I mean, I always say that I always say the Queensland Open was a special one, and the Hong Kong Open was a really special one because the Queensland Open being my own my own state, everybody wants to win their own state open, and then Hong Kong for me was. Uh, really special because I won around a golf course where I shouldn't do very well at. And Greg Norman had won it 30 years before I before I won it again. And then since I've won it, Sam Brazel, uh, Wade Ormsby, and Benny Campbell last week, obviously Benny Kiwi, but Benny Campbell. So it's sort of like it's 30 years till somebody from Australia won it. I won that and it just felt great to win it after thinking that the Shark won it so long ago and and then I've, I won around a golf course, which I have no business winning around. It's it's a very tricky positional golf course where you actually have to hit a lot of really good wedge shots, and that's not really my forte. Are you getting better? <laughs> you know, yeah. like so, so let's you know, you've been playing golf for a, a, a professionally, as I say, mm. over twenty five years. Yeah, are there parts of your game that are getting better? Like, are you thinking more? Are you, or it's um, like it? Yeah, I, I think I get better because now I don't really use anger to play well. If you know okay. what I mean, you know mm. some people are driven by by different things, and I used to be, I used to get angry at myself, not anybody at, at, at myself, and that used to spare me on to play better. Sort of okay. like the the Tyrell Tyrell Hatton sort of former golfer, he gets angry at himself and it makes him play better. I don't see, I didn't see much benefit in that, and and I, I managed to get away from that, and 
And that's where I think I've got better in that area of, of, of sometimes having better self-control. Okay. Do you have to forgive yourself? Do you have to, I mean, I was talking to Richard Mercer the other day and he said he's, that his father always said it's a, you've got to have amnesia, right? It's a game about amnesia. It's just forget what's happened and look forward. Are, are you that sort of a player? Well, he's 100% right, but I never forgive myself because the shot you give away is the one you can never get back. Right. Are you hard on yourself? Oh, 100%. Too, too, you... too, much, too much so. Okay. So do you want to do some <laughs> therapy to be a bit nicer? <laughs> well, I am sitting on the couch here, so. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Just lie, lie back, Scott. Lie back. Um, all right. So look, last thing, and I, and I really appreciate your time because I know you've played this morning and, um, you know, pretty well cooked. What should we all try and experience in the game of golf before we give it away? Sharing it with somebody else who doesn't know what it's all about. Okay. In 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 what in what what respect would you would you share? Do you think trying to help somebody else, as in a junior, uh, a lady player, trying to make them feel welcome into the game and not not alienated. I see a lot of okay. golf clubs that, that seem to alienate juniors and alienate uh, lady golfers and, and that sort of stuff. Just, just, just try and make everybody feel welcome into the game because it's a game that everybody can enjoy, no matter what level you're on. Okay, that's great advice. Um, well, listen, I've loved talking to you. I've really loved Google stalking you, to be honest. <laughs> there's, there's just there's so much great stuff, and we haven't got time to talk about it. But um, so thanks very much. And uh, are you coming back for the for our summer of golf? I'm back for one. I'm back to the Australian PJ next week, and then I've got to go play a Legends Tour event in Vietnam. So I'm not playing the Australian Open, unfortunately. Okay, but the Legends said so that seniors. Yeah, European European Tour senior event. All right, and so where? Sorry, last thing. Where do you rate that that win at Winston? Winston, where do you rate that win in your wins? Oh, it's probably number sixteen out of my wins. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I'm the young guy showing up against the older guys. I've got the advantage. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's talk in ten years' time and exactly, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I, everyone's going like, "Oh, you're lucky. You're the young guy." And you look around and you go, "Well, yes, I am." <laughs> How old is the oldest guy in the senior tour? Oh, they're sixty something, I think. Yeah. Wow. But but you is know, it- it's a big difference because, as people know, I'm always told, you know, once you get to fifty, it's downhill. And the things seem to, to fade quite quickly, but uh, I think that's a, a mental approach you have to do and a physical approach you have to work hard at both those things to stay strong. You've still got your hair, though. And I don't dye it. I do not dye my <laughs> hair. I don't, I've only ever dyed my hair once, and that was to, to look like Don Johnson for a party. Other than that, yeah, right. I do not dye my hair. One wow. billion percent on my mother's life, I have not dyed my hair black or brown or any other color. Okay, like okay then. Okay, but the Botox is working beautifully. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the big crevices in my forehead from from scowling every time I miss a putt are starting to move towards my ears. Right. You look pretty good. Thanks very much for your time, Scott. I really appreciate it. No worries. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Scott Hend, how good. And what a great bit of advice to share the game with someone else, share an aspect, you know, invite them in, make them special, make them part of it. So they, they really want to be in the game. But I told you, he's funny and he is fun, he is fun to Google store. I don't know where we're coming next. 
Um, but I know it'll be good. So thanks very much for listening. And, and again, thanks to, uh, to Scott Hend uh, for being part of the show. See you next time. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 